Welcome to the Yag Makers Podcast, where I ask, how do makers relate to the tools and materials they use, and how does it shape their process? I'm your host, Michael James, and this podcast is part of my thesis research through Royal Roads University. For more information, visit www.theyagmakers.com. In this episode, we visit KJ McAllister from Viva Clayworks. I visited KJ in November of 2019, and she took me through the process of making an incredible mug. Actually, when I brought the mug home, my wife commented on how perfect it was. To see images of the mug and KJ's process, please visit her page on theyagmakers.com or follow my project on social media at theyagmakers. Have a listen. I love the idea of having a piece of art you can hold in your hand okay. and use every day. Yeah, yeah. Something that you reach for in the morning before you're even fully awake and you wrap your hands around. It's a very tactile, very intimate relationship. So Probably of all the different ceramics we have. Like with the mug? With the mug. Yeah. How does the whole idea of a handmade mug really speak to you as well? I've never thought of it in terms of particularly being a handmade mug. Oh, okay. Because um, you can buy you can buy a mug. You can buy a mug, but you'd be surprised how many hands touch that mug. Fair enough. I was I was very surprised when we went to China to, mm-hmm. to watch the factories, to to check them out, and they're all handmade in their way. Yeah. Okay, so I guess but, I maybe maybe the difference isn't so much handmade. It's mass-produced versus exactly. That's not. a great way to to, yeah. to switch up that question. Yeah, the uniqueness and the clarity of my particular touch on the mugs, my ideas, uh, and having uh, them come through, and finally getting to a point in my career and my experience that I can take an idea through to the end and have the piece come out exactly the way I want. So, talk to me a little bit about that because, I mean. We all start somewhere mm-hmm. as makers, mm-hmm. and I, I come from the school of thought that we never finish learning as a maker. Oh, very true. Yeah. So when you said you're finally at this point in your career, where? How did, how did that start? Where did you come from? How, what does that mean? Can you unpack that a little bit for me, I sure. guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. In the beginning, you have ideas and you have skill sets, and they don't always make your life the easiest. Okay. I, I still have wild and wonderful ideas on how to make things, but I may not have the technical skill set yet. Okay. So I'm thankful I have great friends and great amazing colleagues that have those different, slightly different skill sets that I haven't yet developed. So is that in the whole world of clay? Yeah. Okay. Well, and makers in general. Okay. Like I have table legs sitting waiting for... Uh, some sort of substrate or or tension housing so that they can hold a glass tabletop uh-huh. and that's just that that one part of the process of development okay okay yeah that makes sense so I guess speak to me too a little bit about um, where did you get started here how did this right is here. this is this is where you started this is how yeah. you because you've chosen this as your vocation mm-hmm. and so what I guess take me through that a little bit. I was given pottery lessons as a Christmas gift in 2000. And that's where I started here. But before that I was I was always that kid playing in mud and 
making stuff and touching things. And I thought I was going to be a massage therapist, so I was always touching something. Mm-hmm. Um, took sculpting class even in college when I was in a science bent. And this worked for me. It was There was enough... Um, the challenge level was high enough to keep me coming back. And the wins, like the knowledge gained, are the wins. And that's that kept growing and increasing and developing. And every time you had a new platform of knowledge to stand on, you could see that there was so much more mm. out there to learn. Yeah. And then you take that another step up and you see, oh, and now there's the how to teach differently and how to address the chemistry of this particular type of glazing. And then oh, okay. here's the the physics of the how this kiln will fire if you're if you fire it this way or there's all these different avenues even to history and geology and uh, anthropology it's amazing well it's such an old art yeah it's an old art so i have in front of me i've got my basic throwing tools that i use okay i have a beautiful beautiful fishing tackle box that i have filled to capacity with different tools. Some handmade, some weird and random, some very specifically bought from pottery houses. Um, And they all do a slightly different job. Like any man or person or woman who have a toolbox, they know that they use one tool only once every three years, but when they need it, it's the perfect tool. So as I look over your tools, Mm -hmm. some stuff looks very Specific to clay, clay work, mm-hmm. potting, mm-hmm. however you want to put it. But some of it looks like sticks mm-hmm. and brushes yeah. and <laughs> random pieces of plastic. So yeah. <laughs> where where does that stuff? Uh, Michael's kitchen department, yeah. the fondant section. Do you ever go to like some woodworker's scrap bin and grab stuff, or is it... I haven't, but I just don't have enough woodworkers in my life <laughs> to okay. do that. Um, Fair I've definitely gone to Lee Valley Tools and gotten wood t- wood turning or wood oh, yeah. card scrapers. Card scrapers. We yeah. use card scrapers, chamois, uh, old hotel key cards, and oh wow, samples of anything stiff. We've got old pajama pants quilted into a strip to make different throwing cloths. So really, anything. Guitar strings, a, a sewing needle stuck in a pencil from the dollar store in a mechanical pencil. That's a, that's our newest really? yeah our newest handmade I don't even know if I have a pin in there but thank you Sarah um, yeah slide in a sewing needle it works as a pin tool oh. it's great for decorating I have only one tool in this toolbox that I have never used and I haven't figured out how to use it yet but it was so beautiful I had to buy it okay, and it's this beautiful little horn knife oh wow I, w- I picked that up in China and I just don't know what to do with it yet but I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> and so talk to me a little bit about the clay too. Like, I mean, wh- when you look at a lot of makers, the material really informs things. Are there different types of clay or do you start from the same, like, does it change what you're going to make? Oh, that's a, I thought your question was going to go one direction and then it came back around. Um, I do definitely frame what I'm going to make by with what clay I have like beautiful delicate little whiskey glasses in a bright white porcelain that are just slightly they have some movement in them okay right um 
light fixtures. I love light. I, I think about light fixtures all the time. Lamps and chandeliers mm -hmm. and sconces, and they're all in that bright white translucent porcelain. Okay. Mugs, um, they tend to be in a more of a regular clay. They don't, I, I can't seem to sell the translucent mugs as well. So there's low fire clays that will fire to a, you know, what we call low fire temperatures. Mm -hmm. um, they're about a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. Celsius? Celsius, a thousand degrees Celsius. Whereas these ones will fire, when we glaze fire them, they're about 2250. Then my heart really lies in the higher fire temperatures where we use a wood fire kiln and we go to, you know, over 1200 degrees Celsius depending on the kiln, sometimes 1250. Does the clay say anything? Like this, like you've, obviously you've selected a type of clay for its properties. Does that piece of clay ever dictate how it's gonna go? When you're new. Yeah. Yeah, often. Okay. Like you, you can sit down thinking, oh, I'm gonna make a bowl out of this and it is, it becomes a plate or vice versa or okay. a mug. Or and how come? Until you learn the control, until you learn how to read the clay finely through your fingertips, you are kind of at its mercy. So there is, so that's experience that, yeah. that, that really changes it. So you can, yeah. you can zig and zag yourself. Yeah. So you threw this in what? Minutes. Minutes. Yeah. So how long does a typical, somebody who's new, cool. take? <laughs> it really depends on their hands and how their brain communicates with their hands. Okay, some talk people, to me about that. Some people work with their hands all day and they have that sense of sensitivity, that, that sensitivity in their fingers where, oh, I'm actually pushing the clay now, or oh, I'm not actually doing anything, I'm just letting the clay run through my hands. Mm -hmm. And until you as an individual learn that how much force it takes to actually affect it and how to read when the clay starts to give and it's going to twist you'll be able to pull away just enough to to give it that room not the you lessen the torque and the friction so the clay doesn't spin under your fingers okay those sorts of lessons that i can tell you about but experience brings them clear so to me then and i mean correct me if i'm wrong I mean, we've looked at your tools, we've mm -hmm. looked at all the different little bits and bobs, and we've, we've got more to go through here. But your, to me, what you're saying is your most important tool is your hands. Oh, yes. 100%. So talk to me about the texture of the clay now that it's dried for a while. So it goes from being kind of sticky and wet. This is still quite soft, like malleable. Mm -hmm. I can bend it if I need to. Um, but now the texture is, we would, we generally term this leather hard. Okay. But I've also heard terms like chocolate, suede. I'm just taking this little bit of excess off near the bottom and flattening this. Normally we would use a tool like a, a loop tool for this. Okay. But there's lots of different things I've seen used for. Well, and it's, it seems to me too that Again, you can use almost anything as long as it has that your, your sharp stiffness edge. and texture of... Yeah, and you get the clay at the right consistency. Right. 
consider water a tool? I don't know. Uh, you could, I definitely have friends who do. They, they'll paint, once this becomes dry, they'll paint on a uh, patterning mm -hmm. with wax or latex and then wash away the negative space and they're left with a raised pattern. And uh. so they use water as a tool, absolutely. I just um, see you reaching for a yeah. sponge and adding water to it. Yeah, so it I, seems I use water as a lubricant. Okay, yeah. So in that manner, absolutely. What's your favorite thing about making? Getting lost in it. Okay. Keep going. The fact that I can dream something up and spend hours sorting out in my brain how it's going to work. What do I need to, like, what steps do I need to put in place to make it work? Where am I going to get the time to do all these different steps? And how do I have to put these in stasis? Do I, can I do them fresh in one day? All of those sort of planning and dreaming up ideas add to the enjoyment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Is there any, like, you know, and again, I'm equating things to woodworking because I'm yeah. a woodworker. Yeah, but yeah. There are some that, of a camp where I need to use all traditional tools. Yeah. There's some in a camp there I want to use every modern convenience that I have. Where do you land? Um, I would say generally I'm not a technical, like all the technical gadgets and stuff like that. They don't really speak to me. Mm -hmm. um, well, you spoke of history too. Like, yeah. and, I mean, clay, we're still, we're finding clay pots from thousands and thousands of years ago. So it's, it's not like it's a... Alberta has a clay history that I didn't know about. Oh? Yeah, we have one of our staff is an anthropologist and did her master's degree on the pot sherds that she's found Alberta Saskatchewan Montana mm -hmm. and the history of that and it's fascinating mm. the trading practices and the design practices and how they worked as a family unit and who's making pots and are they right-handed or left-handed or how does that speak to you like I, how, how does it feel to be part of something so oh, old I think I, I think that's what I like about it a, a good part of it because we are taking skills and materials that are ancient and translating them into everyday use right so there's yeah. that we're still we're still not relative but relevant we're still relevant mm -hmm. every day yeah somebody you know eats on a plate yeah you know it's, it ha it, we're still ma eating off of ceramics. We're still washing our hands in a ceramic sink. We're yeah. still like, it's a, it's very relevant, and it, and I it can be mean. beautiful. And I, and I just get a kick out of that. Yeah. Although I do have, I know that there's colleagues out there, ceramic innovators and imagineers that are using 3D printing, and they are creating designs on the CAD, and and I think that's amazing. It's not where my likes. It's not the path that I enjoy, but to see their work is just outstanding. But talk to me a little bit about firing process, because obviously that changes things. The first firing, the bisque firing, changes the chemical structure of the silica, the, the, which is one of the major components in both clay and glazes. Mm -hmm. um, so the crystalline structure changes, and it goes from being something that can be dissolved in water to something that can no longer be dissolved in water. Okay, how hot are you looking? That is 
or is that dependent? 585 degrees Celsius is where that sort of starts and some of the action starts happening, both going up and coming back down. There's, okay. the, the, there's a crystalline shift two different directions. So does your temperature matter? Like when you're talking about, obviously the kiln is a tool that you mm -hmm. use to move clay from mm -hmm. one form to another mm -hmm. and then glaze mm -hmm. from one form to another. Mm -hmm. Is there temperature, w would you play with the temperature or is it like this clay needs this temperature? You can, absolutely you can. Uh, though clays are determined by oh, okay. their temperature. Okay. Um, they vitrify or, or cure the best in that window, whatever window that the manufacturers okay. give us. Yeah. Um, there are, we have people here that will take a, a higher temperature clay, a cone 10 clay and fire it to cone six because they like the color and it works fine. Works fine. Oh, okay. It's not my taste. Okay. Okay. Because I am very wood fire centric. I Great. love it so much that it seems a waste. Okay, so talk, what's the difference between wood fired and regular kiln fired? A few things. One, like this, the simple presence of ash makes a huge difference. Okay. Because ash will make its own glaze. Oh. And it makes its own patterns on pots and the fire itself makes a pattern on pots. And, but the fact that that, any sort of fuel firing like oil, coal, mm -hmm. wood, meat, mm -hmm. That's a long story, but it's it's a good one. It's not my story, but it, I found out who whose it is. And it's a good story. <laughs> okay. um, anything like that creates a reductive atmosphere, okay. because the fire itself wants oxygen. Here in the electric kilns, there's always oxygen present, so it changes the chemistry of the glazes. Hmm. So then, so for you, mm -hmm. you just you made the comment. I love wood fire. Love it. And what's what? It's that draw of the different the different, the less controlled nature yep. of it? The, yep, uh, that's a very good way to put it. There's, I don't have all the control. I put it in the kiln and the fire makes a, par, uh, makes a mark and how we, how we fire it adds to it and you can't replicate it. Okay, so here's a, it's an interesting observation I'm gonna make mm -hmm. here and tell me if, if I'm completely off base. You have spent years of your life mm -hmm. And you talk to me about how the clay, I can control the clay, I can make it do what I want it to do because of that experience. Maybe a student may not have that. Uh, I can control it, I can get it to do what I want, only to give it up. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Like, that's crazy. Some it, people would say that's crazy. Yeah, it, it feels crazy. Okay. It feels crazy because you've, so you've invested then? hours of time. So and why wouldn't you control it? That's not in my nature. Okay. Not in my nature. I got a. I'm. I'm a rogue at heart. Yeah. I'm a wildcat. I got. I, there's got to be some surprises left out there. So you work towards creating the piece you want, and I guess the stability of the shape, the stability of the the item, mm -hmm. is probably the control. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the application of, like, what glazes do I want? What palette do I want to use? Yeah. And I mean. <laughs> and partially, I just love the process. I love, you know, going out. Uh, getting wood. I don't have to get too much wood now because I've got plant, like people in place and, they, sure. and the people we hire kilns from to organize it. Like, so that's pretty good. But I like that part of it. I like going out and having an adventure for the weekend where we go and put wood in a kiln. Yeah. So that's part of the process too. Well, it, it, yeah, for sure. And it, it's funny because 
there's also like when you talk about application because I think of my daughter who goes out and she makes a cup and she made this fox mug and literally when you sip from it the uh, the ears from the fox go Poking straight for right. your eyes yeah so you have to have that control for it to be a usable object you have to have design in mind right yeah. so the whimsy comes in the wood fire so do, do you, are there people who just need that control from start to finish? Oh, yes. Well, it's like any, it's like anything. There are type A personalities and that need perfection and they need kilns to do just this. And if their glazes aren't acting just this way, then they've got to tweak them. And yes, absolutely. That's part of it. That's part of the game. The learning, learning to control mm -hmm. the elements mm. is part of your vocation then playing with it, then letting loose, then breaking the rules. That comes after. Ah, okay. Interesting. Thank you for listening to the Egg Makers podcast. If you'd like to know more about KJ, her work, or this project, please visit theeggmakers.com or follow me on social media, at theeggmakers. Tune in next time where we visit with Thistle Pipes and learn how a pipe maker combines a very traditional product with new technology.